Be sure to tune in to the latest episodes of our show where we break down and analyze the latest in sports news and info. Catch us on the Spotify, Radio Public, and Breaker apps, as well as Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook at Fourth Quarter Podcast with Ed and Unc, on Twitter at Fourth underscore Podcast, and on Instagram at Ed and Unc. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fourth Quarter Podcast with Ed and Unc. I'm your host, Unc, coming to you on this cold and windy Thursday afternoon. In today's show, I discuss the Kings and Mavs trade and what it means for both teams going forward, and I discuss those darn Wizards who just can't get out of their own way. But before we get into today's topic, I want to discuss all the trades that went down at the winding hours of the NBA trade deadline, beginning with the Los Angeles Lakers. They agreed to send Michael Beasley, in Zubox to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for Mike Muscala, who was just traded from Philadelphia in the Tobias Harris trade. Next, we have the Memphis Grizzlies. They agreed to send Mark Gasol to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and a 2024 second round pick. Then we have Philadelphia, who agreed to send Markel Fultz to the Orlando Magic in exchange for Jonathan Simmons and a first and second round pick. And last we have New Orleans, Milwaukee, and Detroit who engaged in a three-player deal involving Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson going to the Pelicans along with a 2019 second, two 2020 seconds, and a 2021 second round pick. Milwaukee receives Nikola Miritich and Detroit receives Thon Maker. And those are the trades that occurred within the winding hours of the NBA trade deadline. Now we get into today's topic, and I'd like to begin the show with the big trade that occurred yesterday between the Kings and the Mavs. The Mavs agreed to trade Harrison Barnes to the Kings in exchange for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. The Mavs played the Hornets last night in which they won 99-93, and Barnes learned of the trade early in the fourth quarter after just scoring 10 points in the third. And after learning the news, he decided to send the rest of the fourth quarter with his soon-to-be former teammates. Now, Paul Pierce, credit to him, he did some research and found out that Barnes had a sense he was going to get traded to the Kings. He already knew the Mavs and Kings were putting the deal into the works. He just didn't know when. But the fact that it happened in-game is just mind-boggling to me. And this trade comes a week after the Porzingis trade where they acquired him. And with all these trades... Luka Doncic is now the lone starter left for the Mavs. Now, I want to talk about the LeBron James quote. He was he made a post on Instagram, as everyone knows, and he, he said, quote, so let me guess, this is cool because they had to do what was best for the franchise, right? And then he goes on to say, I just want the narrative to start to get real slash change and not when a player wants to be traded or leaves a franchise that he's a selfish slash ungrateful player. But when they trade you or release, wave, and cut, etc., etc., it's best for them. And then, of course, Anthony Davis liked the post. But, of course, LeBron didn't know about the aspect that Barnes already knew he was getting traded. He knew it was coming soon. So, I say to that, LeBron just 
I, I wouldn't talk about anything that involves trades right now because it's a tricky situation on your end. And the fact that when it's all said and done that you could actually regret going there and there's a real possibility that the Lakers could end up with no one, I would just focus on the season that's in hand right now. But that's just me. Now, Barnes is averaging 17.7 points per game, although it's on 40% from the field, which is the second worst in his seven-year career. Now, they have, with this move, they, the Mavs have $13 million in cap room to use for the remainder of the trade deadline, which is passed, or until June 30th. But in the summertime, with all these moves, now they're, they're expected to have $30 million in cap room going into the summer, with a possibility for it to go up to $40 million if the White Pal opts out of his deal. And the fact that if they don't make the playoffs, Oh, not to make the playoffs, but because we know they're not going to make the playoffs. But if their pick lands into in the top five, they get to keep it. It was a protected top five pick. So if it lands in the top five, they get to, they get to keep it, which potentially means they could be adding a top five pick already to a core of Doncic and Porzingis. And the fact that they're going to possibly have thirty to forty million dollars in cap room going into the summer. The Mavs are definitely setting themselves up for to be aggressive in free agency going into the summertime. And if you ask me, I believe they just might get lucky enough to land someone because they have something, they have a good situation going in two cornerstones for the franchise. Now, what I want to talk about now is the King side of the the King side of it. Now. Sacramento, they used a 10, they 10.5 million remaining on Barnes. You know, with Barnes having a cap hit for 24.8 million this season and 25.1 million next, considering he had a trade bon- he had a trade bonus embedded into his contract. Now the Kings want to keep Barnes long term, and if you listen, if you had, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, I explained to my partner Ed how the Kings needed a competent small forward to put into their lineup. And I figured that they were going to be aggressive in finding one that would fit right in. And they definitely got that in the Harrison Barnes. Now, like I said, they want to they want to try to keep him long-term, if possible. But, like I said, Sacramento could have $21 million in cap room if Barnes opts into that player option. But if he doesn't, they could go into the summer with 452 million dollars in cap room that means they can get a max level player to join those developing young guys who are over there just balling out like it's it's amazing that the fact that they can do that the fact that they're going to have that much cap room is crazy now at the moment they're the ninth seed in the west they're a game and a half behind the los angeles clippers with a 28 and 26 record then we know about the harrison barnes deal and they also engaged in another deal a three-team deal with them receiving Alec Burke and the Rockets' 2020 second-round pick with the Rockets receiving uh, and them sending off Shumpert to the Rockets along with Nick Skowskis and Wade Baldwin. And then we know about the Cavs aspect of it. But if you ask me about their summer plans, the, like I think I really think that the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings are really positioning themselves to have next in the Western Conference for the next two decades, if you ask me. Both of them 
have great young talent on their rosters that are either developed or they are developing at an excellent pace. Like I said, Luka Doncic, we all knew he was the most pro-ready prospect coming out of the draft. And we know what a healthy Porzingis can present to any team. And on the Sacramento's end, we know De'Aaron Fox is a dog. He balls out. Willie Cauley-Stein, Buddy Hill, you know, Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley, and now the addition of Barnes. Like, I can see I, I can see Sacramento and the Mavs really being aggressive and actually ending up being a key front runner when it comes into free agency because they have something that really no other, no other team at this point has now and they have a f- built-in foundation as far as they got young generational talent that they can build around and no other team really just has that at the moment and so they can really take advantage of that going into the offseason which I really think that they're going to do but like I said with these two teams like I said, the Mavs, we know they're we're, they're trying to keep that top five pick, so they're taking it in the toilet. We know the Kings, they made this move for Barnes because they're trying to make a playoff push and end the longest drought, playoff drought in the NBA at the moment. So, if you ask me, watch out for the Kings and Mavs coming within the next few years because they're gonna really they're gonna really be putting their foot on the league and letting people know that their time is now. Uh, coming up next, I talk about the Washington Generals, uh, excuse me, I mean the Wizards, and why they'll never get over the hump, which is themselves. This is the fourth quarter podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the fourth quarter podcast with Ed and Up. I'm your host, Ump, coming to you on this cold and windy Thursday afternoon. And before the break, I said I was going to discuss why the Wizards can't get over to the hump, which is themselves. Those darn Wizards, man. What are you going to do with them? Well, let's start with Tuesday. I think that's a good place to start. Of course, Tuesday we found out that Wall needs surgery on his left Achilles which means he'll probably miss most of, if not all, of next season when he was already out for the remainder of this season. And Wall fell at home, and the team doctor said he'll probably need surgery next week. And he said the recovery time for someone of John's age is between 11 and 15 months. But that's one strike. Next, Wednesday afternoon. Now, this... This is a good thing. Like, I, it's a good thing in the bigger scheme, let me say. Because Wednesday, early Wednesday, the Wizards had traded Otto Porter Jr. to the Chicago Bulls for Jabari Parker, Bobby Portis, and a protected 2023 second-round pick. Now, Porter is 25 years old. He's averaging a little under 13 points per game, five rebounds, two assists. But it was a good thing that the Wizards were able to trade him so that they can get that money off of their books because Otto Porter was in a hefty contract himself. And we all know about the front office of the Wizards and their mismanagement of contracts, but we're getting to that later. And then, oh, and before I move on, Otto Porter did learn about the trade a half hour before the game that they were supposed to play. I just wanted to get that in there. Also, 
Porter is owed 26 million this year and 27.25 million next year with a player option in 2021. Next, Wednesday night, they agreed to trade Marquise Morris and a 2023 second round pick to the New Orleans Pelicans for Wesley Johnson. Now, Marquise Morris, he's averaging 11.5 points per game and 5.1 rebounds per game, but he's battling injury concerns, which we'll get into later on as well. Next, we have with those moves, at the start of the season, the Wizards saved $18.3 million in the luxury tax. And with these trades, they are now $232,000 below the threshold, which means they get a little breathing room despite John Wall's contract, which is probably the worst contract in the history of sports, period, when he's due to make $19.2 million this year when he's not even playing. And then skyrockets up to $38.2 million next season him due to make 41.2 in 2021 44.3 million in 2022 and up to 47.3 in 2023 and ladies and gentlemen all these years are guaranteed money so even though they made all these trades and they got auto porters hefty contract off the books they are still in the sinkhole as far as no matter what they do, they are literally screwed as far as their salary cap is concerned because of John Wall's contract. I mean, we're talking about a 33-year-old John Wall making f- close to $50 million in 2023 with his injury history, which is what I want to get into next. Now, we all know Wall, his game revolves around his quick speed, his quickness, his speed, his athleticism, and we know that point guards and guards like that who who game revolve around their athletic talents, their body tends to give out on them quicker than other players because you rely so much on your body talent that it start at a point in time it just starts to wear down. And Westbrook and Derrick Rose are recent examples of that. And I think Wall falls into their category as well. And let's take a look at John Wall's uh, medical history and his injury history. Now, in May 2016, he had surgery on both of his knees. Now, in November of 2017, he had inflammation in his left knee, which required him to miss nine games. In January of 2018, he had a procedure to clean up his left knee, which required him to miss 27 games. And then December 2018, of course, we know he opts to have surgery on his left heel, which puts him out for the rest of this season. And then literally not even three months later, February 2018, he has to have surgery on his left Achilles from falling in his home. Now, between John Wall's injury history and this outrageously stupidious contract that they have and then the fact that they're dealing with injuries a la Dwight Howard, John Wall, Marquise Morris between injuries, between trades, between bad ownership and front office, between bad contracts. I mean, I do give them credit. I mean, they're four games behind Miami Heat for the number eight seed in the playoffs. They're four games behind. And they still believe with the roster that they have that they can make a push for the AC and make the playoffs, which 
you know, that's the attitude they're supposed to have, you know, because some teams out here knowing they're not going to make the playoffs and they're just giving in to defeat off the rip. So I do give them credit for that. But at the same time, as with that front office there, it, it's, I don't know, it's just outside of the capital, outside of the Washington capital, Capitals and hockey recently, it seems like just Washington, like Washington, D.C. based sports franchises just don't, just always shoot themselves in the foot. Of course, we know the Redskins haven't been anything sufficient in two decades. And like I said, with the Washington Wizards, they haven't been. I mean, they, like I said, they had their playoff run these last four or five years. But outside of that, I mean, they haven't even got out in the second round. So there's nothing to be just overly excited about. And we know before this playoff run, we knew the Wizards were just god awful. And this front office hasn't been anything to applaud about either and they're really the ones who put them in this situation so between all of that I mean it's a surprise that they're even four games behind Miami and AC for the AC you know really with this ownership you would expect them to be like the Phoenix or the you know Orlando's or something like that but I do give them props they were able to move Otto Porter's uh, contract off the books even though Jabari Parker is owed uh, 20 million dollars or has a player option for 20 million dollars next season uh, I do credit them for getting Porter off the books because he still had that guaranteed money coming in and like I said there's no way they're going to get Wall's contract off their books until it expires in 2023 so they're basically screwed in that aspect but besides that you know I do I do give them props that they've been able to stay afloat for the most part you know and just maintain, but like I said, ain't, ain't too much you can do with <laughs> what you have to deal with up in that front office, up in for the Wizards. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. That's it for today's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Fourth Quarter Podcast, on Twitter at Fourth Underscore Podcast, and on Instagram at Ed and Unk. This is your favorite neighborhood Unk checking out. And be sure to download the Anchor app for all you podcasters out there. Enjoy your day.